0: Speaking the truth to the state capitol, this is Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, ninety nine three KLIN.
1: All right, folks, Drive Time Lincoln, December 2nd, uh, which is a Friday. 38 degrees outside, feels like 33, and it is windy. Currently says it's uh, twenty miles an hour. I'd say it's gusting more than that out of the uh, northwest. So windy day. I'm your host, Jack Riggins. Always, always trying to restore American values to America and a little sanity to the capital city, common sense too. Johnny Cadillacs producing the show. We're going to get right to it. We have the states' number one lead attorney in assaults and Title Nine, Mallory Hughes from Drive Time Lincoln. On uh, listen, the, she a has got law firm. What did I say? From Drive Time Lincoln. Oh my goodness, Barry Law Firm. <laughs> yes, Drive Time Lincoln does not produce lawyers. <laughs> maybe, maybe, <laughs> I, maybe uh, McDonald's lawyers or something like that. <laughs> Most so. of the time, I want to let it go, but I was like, oh, they see lawyers. I should say something here. <laughs> yeah, see lawyers. Well, Johnny, that's why you're there. No, uh, Mallory Hughes from Barry Law Firm. Welcome to Drive Time Lincoln. Oh, hello.
2: Hi, Mallory. Oh, Hi. It, it just cut out. Hi. Well, that's
1: okay. We were having a hard time as I was trying to I was trying to make you from my show Drive Time Lincoln instead of Barry Law firm, but uh, we Johnny got me corrected and and we appreciate you coming on.
2: Oh yeah, well, thank you guys so much for having me I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thank you.
1: Yeah, obviously, um, with the high-profile Mickey Joseph arrests down here in Lincoln, um, and there's been some other cases over the couple years I've been on the radio that I always like to have somebody like you who can talk about the presumption of innocence and kind of the process, because um, these things often play out a little bit differently than in public and the courtroom. Isn't that correct? Yes.
2: Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Don't always believe everything that you see in the news (laughs) or at least always um, think that that's the uh, only side or the full picture.
1: (laughs) For sure. So one of the things I always talk to people about the Constitution and just our system, our way here in this constitutional republic. um, Can you explain the presumption of innocence and what that means both to you as a lawyer, but to us as citizens as well?
2: Sure, sure. Yeah. So, you know, the the presumption of innocence is written into our Constitution. And um, for people who have had either the privilege or the headache of uh, serving jury duty, um, they they hear about it uh, quite a bit when jury selection is going on. But the, the presumption of innocence is bestowed upon every Citizen in our country. And that means that you are innocent until either you've pled guilty and a judge finds you guilty, um, or you're found guilty by a jury of 12 of your peers by proof beyond a reasonable doubt. And, you know, if we're talking about trial, that means that the government has the burden of proving each and every element of the offenses that they allege um, by proof beyond a reasonable doubt. And unless and until it comes to that, you're innocent. And and what that really means is that somebody is innocent when they're charged with a crime. So um, just because there is an allegation and there's probable cause to charge someone with a crime, the Constitution still says that person is innocent and they're innocent tomorrow and they're innocent next month. And they're innocent if they have a preliminary hearing and their case is bound over to district court. And they're innocent, um, you know, if, if people are writing the worst things in the world about them. In um, you know, in the news, um, they're they're innocent under our constitution, and it's it's a really important thing. Um, and and what I think is really important about the presumption of innocence is it only works if it's applied to everyone. If we start picking and choosing who deserves the presumption of innocence, or this person's case sounds really bad, I don't really think that I'm going to give them the presumption of innocence and let's throw the book at them right now. It's not going to protect truly innocent people. Um, so it's, it's scary, I think, when people start picking and choosing when to, to try and apply it, you know, out, outside in the real world, I guess.
1: Sure. Um, in, in your experience, how has, you know, this major media push and, and social media with news releases impacted these type cases over the years?
2: Yeah, I mean, everything's at our fingertips now, um, and I think people are really quick to, to take a side and jump to conclusions, and I think that that's, um, I think it's a natural thing to do. I don't necessarily um, fault people for jumping to conclusions, but it's a, it's a very dangerous thing to do, um, because You know, I mean, look at the Innocence Project where people are exonerated, right, for crimes that they didn't commit, who sit in jail, people who have been on death row for crimes that ultimately they didn't commit. I mean, that, you know, that goes all the way back to when they're first alleged to have done something. So I think that what's important for people to remember is to take a step back. And just because you read something and you read that, um, you know, somebody did something or there's certain amounts of evidence you still got to give them the presumption of innocence. And what would you want if you were accused of a crime? What would you want um, your child's situation to be? If your child was a acu- kid, you, you may say my kid is the most honest person in the world and they could still be falsely accused of something. Would you want your sure. child giving the presumption of innocence or would you want people dragging your child's name through the mud and assuming that they're guilty from the outset? And and you got to give whatever you would want of your own child or sibling or parent or, or what have you. But but really, what our Constitution says. I mean, objectively, <laughs> presumption of innocence is what it is, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you know, the impetus of this is is the Mickey Joseph uh, situation down here in Lincoln. It, it reminds us all again uh, of how we go about and think in, in our society. My guess would be that. Um, while media and while there's been leaks not just about this case but a lot of these if they're high profile people um and certainly um sexual assault harassment say in in the immediate family um that doesn't really change the courtroom dynamics but it it does change the social dynamic doesn't it
2: right right yeah i mean i you know i think that um this, this kind of stuff comes out and, and you read certain things about somebody who's, um, you know, a, a public figure and um, you want to believe what you read and form an opinion about it. And um, I, I know nothing about the case um, I, other than what I've seen in the media, but um, I I have learned not to, <laughs> to rely on that because there's a lot of truths out there that... Um, are not related in the media and that's that's no fault to the media but there's things that that people don't know in every case at this juncture right i mean we don't know what the story is and there's um there's a lot of opportunity for additional investigation and 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 what have you and um and again until it's played out in a courtroom um we just don't know and so no matter how bad something sounds it's really important to remember the presumption
1: of innocence and and I, again you know what would you want for your own family sure. if, if they're Sure. We're on with uh, Mallory Hughes, absolutely the state's best top assault and title 9 uh, attorney from Barry Law. We're just talking presumption in, of innocence and I'm asking a few other questions. Sometimes in these cases I've seen why um, why well it, it's between a husband and a wife say and and then you know Whatever happened happened, and there was an arrest. But then um, one or the other decides not to press charges, and they they kind of go on. Now, do can the does the victim, I guess, have that big a say, or is there also a line where the police and the investigators are involved and say, you know, it doesn't matter?
2: Yeah. So I mean, once once the uh, the the case has been, um, you know, somebody makes a report, law enforcement takes it down. They turn the case over to um, a prosecutor, a county attorney, and they decide to file charges. It's ultimately up to to that prosecuting agency about whether or not to continue with the charges. Now, there are some constraints and limitations depending on the cooperation of, and we'll just talk any case in general, Mm -hmm. a victim or a witness, um, you know, prosecutors. Are, are somewhat bound by the, the cooperation. But that being said, they don't always necessarily need them. It's, it's a case-by-case situation and what, um, you know, what the evidence is and what certain people know or observed. Um, and, and so you don't always, you know, somebody could – could make a report and then three months later say, I don't, I don't want this going forward. But the prosecutor may have other ways to prove their case and may be able to proceed with or without the original reporting party. And that's just something that depends on a case-by-case basis and what the, what all of the evidence is and what, what they have at their disposal to, to use to prosecute a case. Sometimes it's witness statements. Sometimes there's other evidence.
1: Yeah, that's all great insight, Mallory. One of the things I've heard, um, we haven't really talked about it much on this show, but uh, there's been a lot of talk about uh, the Lincoln Police Department kind of releasing the information as quick as they did, um, and then I believe some details released the second day. And I, I, I I don't know. I mean, I guess from a legal standpoint, what does that do for a potential client? you know, a victim, the accused and the law team, or is, is that irrelevant? Because, you know, there was a lot of debate about that earlier in the week.
2: Sure. Um, you know, I don't, I, I think, again, it depends on the famous lawyer answer. It depends um, I, on a case by case basis. I mean, I, I'm sure that, um, you know, the police have a public safety interest in releasing certain levels of information and in the time frame that they do. Um, you know ethically as as attorneys and and prosecutors um you know commenting on specific pieces of evidence and things like that is is not something that is is really supposed to happen um you know certainly again the public has an interest in information and prosecutors and defense attorneys are able to give general comments and and thoughts on things um you know within ethical bounds um as far as um law enforcement and what they're able to you know relay I think there's there's a balance between what needs to be kept confidential and and what the public has has a right and a need to know from you know a public interest safety standpoint so i, I you know in this particular case, i don't have enough information i don 't really have any information other than what i've I've read yeah in the I mean, I guess
1: Literally. you know in Nebraska and with Nebraska football and over the years, there have been some high profile things here in Lincoln, uh, dating way back. And, you know, I, I, I put myself in their shoes and I, it's kind of be damned if you do damned, if you don't in a way, um, I, you know, like a lot of things just surrounding Husker football, not legally, <laughs> you know, you, right. you, you know, people would probably judge, um, right. wh- how do you see this case playing out? How do these normally play out? Um, you know, as they move forward, I, you know, I
2: don't, um, I, I yeah I could tell you procedurally like the the next things that'll happen in in a case. Yeah,
1: sure, I I'd so. be curious.
2: But, yeah, yeah, so I mean without again this is this is without Yeah, you know, a generic about, case. Yeah, just a, a generic case though. If somebody is charged um with you know, we'll say a felony, um, so their case starts in county court. Um, and and you go in for a first appearance in a bond setting, and a bond gets set, and then that person, you know, can either post the bond or not. There are some exceptions where bonds not have to be set in very serious offenses, but, um, and then afterward, you're entitled to what's called a preliminary hearing. So, again, this is if you're charged with a felony and your case starts in county court, Um, and a preliminary hearing is, is a probable cause hearing. The state has to show that there's Probable cause to bind the case over from county court to district court for a trial on those charges. So, if let's just take a totally different type of case, a drug case, a possess, someone's in, you know, alleged to be in possession of um, crack cocaine. Let's just say, um, they, there needs to be probable cause for the arrest. The preliminary hearing is the same burden, um, and that's not a hearing where. The formal rules of evidence apply. Um, So in cases where there are victims, the victim doesn't have to come in and testify at a hearing like that. So a lot of times you'll actually see um, the accused waive their right to a preliminary hearing. And that doesn't mean that they're conceding that they're guilty. That doesn't mean they're conceding they don't have a strong case. It's just the the nature of those hearings. um, It's a very low burden to prove, you know, at that point on on the state so a lot of times for efficiency and and other reasons you just waive the preliminary hearing which is basically just saying i'm not contesting probable cause under these circumstances send the case to district court so district court is where felonies end up um and then you're set for an arraignment where you formally plead guilty or not guilty and then the discovery process starts so the, yeah. the parties exchange discovery, which is the evidence of police reports, et cetera, pre-trial motions. Eventually, um, you know, either a trial trial or plea gets set, and, and it
1: goes from there. Mallory, we have about one more minute in this segment um, question. I'm, I'm curious as a kind of somewhat media guy. In your experience, does the media tend to kind of hound on these things right in the beginning, but then as they play out, the coverage wanes, and so the people just in general aren't really familiar, or is that just the normal course of things going to court?
2: Yeah, I think I do think these things get a lot of coverage at the outset, and then it kind of fizzles, and then when there's an ultimate disposition or resolution be it you know, a guilty plea or an outcome following a trial, I think it kind of amps back up a little bit. Um, that's, that's kind of how I've seen it play out. But, um, I, I do think that the most, coverage and involvement and interest is at the outset of the case, even more so than whatever the final resolution is. That's been my experience.
1: Absolutely. Mallory, can I get you to hang on the line just so I can ask you a few questions when when we go to break here Um, because I'm curious. And I so appreciate you coming on Drive Time, Lincoln.
2: Yes, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it.
1: You bet. Uh, Mallory Hughes from Barry Law talking presumption of innocence, something that – it's hard these days with everything that gets put out. In all cases, it really is. Klin fourteen hundred ninety nine three.
0: You're getting the four one one from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on fourteen hundred and ninety nine three Klin.
1: All right, folks. Uh, we just had uh, Mallory Hughes on from Barry Law Firm talking presumption in, of innocence as well as just general proceedings um, in you know assaults and charges and things like that obviously just get some pros in to talk about cases the impetus obviously being the mickey joseph case down here um and just and i think you know and she answered the question i do think it's gotten harder uh with media and social media um for all of us to um you know be, not believe in the presumption of innocence, but to not make those snap judgments um, as they play out. And we talked a little bit about how, generally speaking, you know the media is first to kind of get stuff out there. But then as these things go on, and they, and they can go on a long time in our court system, you know it kind of wanes. Um, texters had some great questions. Um, Natalie M asked a couple of great ones, and I'll go. I was able to talk to Mallory uh, during the break, so I'll make sure. I go through those uh, when we come back because I thought they were great questions about uh, different organizations and and how they play out in some of these things. Um, and I again, Mallory is a, an assault and, and Title IX attorney, and, and in some cases you're talking civil things. And I am not an attorney, but uh, today I tried to be a McDonald's one. <laughs> we we call that a sea lawyer in the Navy. I wonder if everybody has a C lawyer in their family, probably, um, or in their friend group. But uh, no, I appreciated Mallory Hughes' time from Barry Law. And uh, hey, if you ever need law advice, go to Barry Law. Absolutely. All right. ninety nine three. the voice of Lincoln, K-L-I-N.
0: Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1,499-3-KLIN. All
1: right, folks, second segment here on Friday, December 2nd, uh, Little Frogman Friday. If you want to call in, go ahead, Ricks 9 Recognition Hotline, 402-479-1400. Or the text line. It's uh, been decently busy. Uh, Same thing. Rick Stein recognition text line 402 479 1400. We had Mallory Hughes from Barry Law and talking the presumption of innocence and a little bit of how uh, trials, uh, well, what that is and the fact that through our Constitution, we are innocent until proven guilty. And the state, the government, has the burden of proving it and how, you know, as times have changed and there's more. you know, more access to information, whether that information is right or wrong. In one way, that doesn't really dictate the courtroom proceedings, but it does play out uh, in society as we discussed how the media is often, in her opinion, quick on these things up front. And then their, their coverage kind of wanes. And, and so a lot of people, you know, just don't know the finality of it. But, you know, I think given the case uh, with Mickey Joseph down here, and, you know, uh, I'd say there was a, a bigger debate about whether LPD should have released it or not. I Listen, there's always been interesting things uh, when it involves some kind of Husker, I would say, especially football. Men's basketball is probably second. Um, and volleyball, um, the big programs. And um, I don't think that if you're LPD, you you can do the right thing. If you release, people are going to say some stuff. If you don't release, they're going to say some stuff. And so, you know, in the end of the day, it happened. He was charged and, you know, they reported it. So, you know, I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, I, I think it's always good to talk about in the court of law, innocent, until proven guilty. Um, but I think there's a, another bigger issue, right. That is in society. And, you know, while that is not Mallory's expertise, you know, she can talk about, you know, the legal proceedings, she did a phenomenal job explaining that um, down to the common sense level. One of the questions um, that I asked, and then I asked Natalie M's question from the text line, uh, one of the questions I asked was about kind of the Me Too movement, Uh, not specifically the Me Too movement, but we often at least... Uh, across media see sexual allegations um, that come out Um, I usually think about the Supreme Court cases uh, the most and just you know how that plays out and and listen she's a trial attorney uh, again assault and title nine and I kind of knew the answer which is obviously those allegations often play out if the accuser and the accused you know one of them goes to civil court um, and then you know we'd need to get civil lawyers in here and discuss all of that, um, but we definitely see that. And so you know, with when asking about these movements, where you see that and how it happens, you know, it's a totally different um, ball game than presumption of innocence, so to speak, in, in the courtroom, right? And then uh, Natalie M had asked uh, me to ask about media. And when the media has stuff that isn't correct, um, how does that play out? And uh, Mallory said, you know, the media even has a wider berth um, than, say, an individual who accuses people, uh, if you will, of slander and liable. And that is because the media getting their information and, you know... Oftentimes that has to play out as well, civil, but having that wider berth, because the media, of course, can be wrong. And there are things called retractions or changes of story. I think every major organization has had to do those at times. Um, and of course, the media itself can be lied to and with all their resources, not realize, you know, that. And, and so therefore, you know, when Mallory says there's this wide berth. Um, with the media, um, she's right. And so you do see things like that, uh, play out oftentimes behind the scenes, um, when media and stories, you know, the question that I would have liked to have asked. So thanks for that question, Natalie. That was a good question. I thought, um, and I, it, you know, there's a part of me that wishes it was so much simpler, you know, in the military, not to get on my high horse, but you know, the uniform code of military justice is very black and white. and um and so it it makes for uh, soldiers, sailors, airmen and Marines, spacemen, <laughs> Coast Guardies. Um, it makes for accusations or doing something wrong and then, you know, it being handled, you know, by a JAG or, you know, eventually maybe having to go to a court martial, which is the military justice system. And and so it's much cleaner and quicker, um, but no doubt s- similar things happen. You know, plea deals get made. Um, some people, you know, don't end up paying the big price that maybe we all think they should. Um, but nonetheless, from cradle to grave, if you will, um, it's it's a much cleaner system. And, and obviously, I identify with it because I had to uphold it for 20 years and, and live within it. Um, so it's interesting. But uh, yeah. Those are great questions. Uh, wow. Ooh, Johnny's calling. I wonder which Johnny that is. Johnny, welcome to Drive Time Lincoln.
3: Hey, thanks for taking my call. You bet. Um, so I just wanted to know uh, what everybody's thoughts were on, on MGTOW, men going their own way, being red pilled, swearing off women, uh, you know, because you see a lot of people in the news.
1: I've never or, heard you know, that term before. What 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 exactly does that mean?
3: Midtown, I means or stands for men going their own way. Okay, I just I just you know wonder. Uh, I was just wondering what everybody thinks about that. You know, uh, I mean, you see a lot of people. Uh, you know, they're all of a sudden guilty before they even you know step into a courtroom. You know, I mean, like you can't take back. It doesn't matter once a man is accused.
1: Well, I don't. I I don't it. know if if the audience will get into it, but I mean, I guess. I, at least here in America everybody's free to do what they want so i don't see the problem with a man that just wants to do his own thing i mean it, it doesn't matter if it's a woman or a man i mean if you sure. what what specifically do these MGTOWs not do that has given them this name
3: well, i just i just think you know there's a lot of people that are being red pilled, you know like they're they're waking up i guess you would say i guess they they just there there's a lot of people avoiding women so they don't run into issues like this um, there's a lot of people.
2: Oh, you're
1: talking about taking, with regard to like sexual harassment or sexual assault type of every, things. Just,
3: just everything. Like, there's people taking, like men taking precautions. Like, there's some men who don't even talk to women at work. It's uh, yeah, just, just some, just some things that people that they've, uh, that they've just decided they were going to do. What? I was just wondering what, what thoughts were on that.
1: Okay, thing. thanks for that that's call, cool. Johnny. Have a good nice weekend. Yep. Migtow. Uh, my Johnny, Johnny Cadillac. Have you ever heard that term before? When I was screening his call and he was saying that, I'm like, w- what are you saying? I, no, it's we, we, not uh, familiar to me. Um, okay, Let, let's break that down because I, like I like to be fair to every caller. Um, I guess, uh, number one, <laughs> everybody's free to do what they want. So um, as far as a man, um, I guess, feeling like the potential of... You know, reputation, income earning uh, could be hurt by the current uh, climate where you can be accused of something, um, but not be guilty, so to speak, under, you know, the presumption of innocence and it can hurt you. Um, Yeah, there's probably people out there that that goes through their calculus. Um, And so, I mean, I but as far as guys or gals or anyone, you know, doing what they want, as long as it's legal and safe, and you know, if you're in my sphere of influence, I would probably throw moral on there as well, um, just because I tend to judge people a little bit by that. But uh, I think it's fine. Is that a big thing? Geez, I'd have to have callers tell me. I I don't think that's a big thing. As Johnny was saying, you know, there's people like that. I I wouldn't think that there's a lot of men that are afraid to engage with women in the workplace um and i would hope not because it would make workplace um dynamics you know not as healthy as they could be um just for the company and for everybody's enjoyment i mean um everybody has something to offer in the the two unique sexes um as well as other people, seriously, I mean, from the LGBTQ community, I mean, there's different perspectives and it kind of helps us all get well-rounded and can make the day entertaining. Um, I certainly don't know anybody that kind of has that fear, if you will. I, I do think, you know, whether people like it or not, that um, that a lot of times men tend to hang out with men and women tend to hang out with women, uh, especially in small talk. I mean, there's it's just the way it is. Um, I, I would say, generally speaking, we shouldn't be afraid to interact together um, because of some of these dynamics, whether it be the law, whether it be a, a current societal movement, um, you know, unless somebody gives you reason, you know, by shouting you down or getting in your face about something, well, then you just walk away. Um, that's probably the thing we have the most difficult time doing is, you know, when somebody maybe really gets hard, and especially one of these political movements, um, you know, just being like, roger that and just walk away. I mean, you don't need to engage. Um, and oftentimes, right, you're not going to change anybody's opinion. But uh, I think that, um, yeah, I'm not really, I just hope not. That's that's what I'll say. I hope not, you know, um, that would be a, a sad state of affairs. Now, having said that, There's no doubt that there have been, I'm sure, cases where both sexes, man, woman, um, have been burned, right? There have been times when things were said or engagements were taken the wrong way, and it has really hurt a lot of people and families more than likely. But I certainly don't think anybody should walk around uh, fearful of that or not engaged. Now, I will say a certain age demographics i've worked around um i've worked around a lot of student athletes so you know they're 25 20 sometimes 30 years younger than me um and i work with both male and female teams and you have all the different dynamics uh, socially within there you know from race to gender identity all these things i mean you just that's that's a that's a university these days folks and and i will say that the professional way to handle situations you know because of those dynamics on both sides is to make sure that there's always three people in a room right so if I'm working with somebody and in my case I'm a male and it's a female well a third-person male or female who's observant around always tends to avoid these situations of accusations and things like that Do you know what I mean and and I would say that most people just inherently know that not that there's any foul play that goes on or there's lack of trust. It's just smart business practice that, you know, if you're engaging, say talking, counseling, teaching, you know, and you don't have to be in a one-on-one setting, right? That a third party is there. And that's usually how everything is structured anyway. But, you know, um, You know, for the people that are out there and worried, yeah, I mean, if if you worry about it and you've got to give a ride, you know, somewhere to a female, in my case, then you might want to text somebody and say, hey, I'm giving so-and-so a ride. And then, you know, when you're done giving them a ride, say, yeah, I just dropped so-and-so off. So at least there's a record to a third party. Um, But I don't think it's anything you have to worry about. Um, Always love Johnny. Call in. Migto. (laughs) I'm not even going to remember that. Um Well, I thought this was interesting. A lot of people were uh, talking about the Rick Green Patriot Academy podcast, and if you'll recall, Mark Vail um, was on that day, and we had a little uh, technical issue at the end of the show, so we didn't get it up, but Johnny Cadillac saved the day. Wednesday's show with Rick Green from Patriot Academy is up if you want to go to KLIN.com and or Um, The KLIN 1400 AM app. You can download it. Um, Again, he'll be speaking on the Constitution and all things conservative as he has a great academy down in Texas. He's coming up uh, tomorrow. Uh, You can sign up at the NEGOP website. It is sponsored by conservatives here in this state. Uh, He'll be speaking at Suite 111 at 6 p.m. and out at the Kearney Fairgrounds on Sunday, I think, at 3. But, yeah, real good interview. uh, Uplifting guy. You know, that's one of the things you'll see um, from a lot of people that, you know, really believe in the Constitution. So, this is interesting. Besides the 5.27 grams of crack cocaine seized during West Lincoln traffic stop. (laughs) Well, you know why we're not finding as much crack cocaine? Because there's more fentanyl now. It just makes more money. It's easier. It kills more people. Ah, drugs. Stay away from drugs, everybody. Um, Is Aaron Sandiford wrote a good story. In the Nebraska Examiner, uh, the the title is Pride Flags and Safe Space Stickers, Signal of Student Safety or Political Speech. I think that that is a great article debating that, right? And I kind of perused through the article and then I looked up um, the stats. So for, you know, don't ever get mad at me, but uh, School of Law at UCLA, the Williams Institute has a Huge study put out, and so, you know, it it basically says that 3.5% of adults in the U.S. identify as LGB, uh, 0.3% identify as transgender. Okay, so we can't exactly do the numbers, but I go to Miller North, and I has a population of 2,600, right? So that means that there is less than 10 people, roughly, okay, this is rough math, that identify as transgender, In the school and if you take um, the people that identify you have about 91 90 or so um, people that identifies LGB and so while on that side you know the kids are in the article talking about how it makes them feel safe and you know their type so to speak is represented Um, and I certainly understand that it's interesting because I would bet, with regard to LGBTQ artwork, flag stickers, safe space stickers, um, percentage-wise, there's a heck of a lot more of them floating around on that campus. Now, I haven't been there. I'm just saying. And so I think that that is kind of where uh, Aaron Sandiford was going in his article. And my thought on it is is that any group— However you identify right like I just identify as American. I it's it's really simple for me um, And an American is a very wide pot of people And so as you know, I have a hard time with people that want a subcategory all the time, but my point is is The goal would be to normalize within society, right and and that takes all sides, right? So again, what's an American? Well <laughs> It's damn near anything Right. I mean, that's that's the way our country was designed and built. Um, now, if you go a little deeper than that. It means somebody that believes in the Constitution, of the United States that follows the rule of law and prescribes to the values and the societal norms that that we live by now, full well knowing that those change over time. And so I think Aaron Sandiford's on to something there. It's nothing I want to have a heated debate over. I certainly want kids and, and people of all type to feel welcomed and to normalize. But I often wonder if the political messaging of that stuff, in this case flags and safe space stickers, far outweigh the actual numbers and are in that gray area, or is it political speech? Right, So, you know, would I be allowed on campus, you know, loudly, going crazy, putting 10,000, you know, conservative stickers up all over? I don't know. I don't know. But this is where we're at. It's it's an interesting uh, question. All right. Voice of Link at KLIN
0: 1499.3. You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1,499.3 KLIN. All
1: right, week's almost done here. 32 degrees, feels like 21, so it's cold. That wind is cold. It's now up to 30 miles an hour coming in and out of the northwest. Uh, so it's going to be a windy one. It's going to be a cold one. I'm going to be gone next week. Doug Fitzgerald will be in all week covering Drive Time Lincoln. Don't even know his guest lineup but I'm sure he'll have some good ones. Brian Blade on Thursday. Brian Blade on Thursday. We're talking wrestling on Thursday. Woo! Had to get me out of here. (laughs) Um, I'll tell you what, uh, enjoyed this week's show. Uh, John Glenn Weaver volunteering uh, for the open Senate seat. Got his resume to uh, Governor-elect Jim Pillen. So at least we know because most people think uh, Governor Ricketts will fill that seat but You know, I'll tell you what, we got two at least contenders, and that's good. It means we're developing bench strength here in Nebraska, which I think is a good thing. Um, Rick Green from Patriot Academy was on Wednesday. Really enjoyed that talk. And like I said, he'll be in and around the state talking this weekend. That'll be good. And then the The fellas from Turning Point USA um, from the University of Nebraska, John and Colin, were in yesterday talking different issues. Uh, Of note, if you didn't see it in the national news, um, their president in the national organization, Charlie Cook, had a uh, talk at a university just talking the Constitution. And boy, Antifa showed up and riots ensued. Um, because that's what the left does. And I think it's so funny, right? Because they show up with, you know, dressed in all black. I mean, signs that have been printed out in the thousands. And, you know, these are not spontaneous protests, but you know, whatever the major media doesn't want to tell you that they just want to tell you that oh these people are upset. Why? Because somebody's talking about the constitution of the United States come over to KLIN. I'd really enjoy seeing you all. Shake your hands. Absolutely. Probably sit down and get along good. Uh, (laughs) All right. Mallory Hughes from Barry Law was on talking presumption of innocence here on Friday. Always good to educate yourself on that. Everybody have a great weekend. KLIN 1499.3.